We are live. All right. Welcome to episode number two. I think we've made it. Episode number two yeah. uh, of our podcast, Security Squawk. I'm Brian Horning. I'm here with my buddy, Reginald Andre. Reg, I just, Andre, I just got done plowing my driveway. We got wow. hit with more snow uh, than we've gotten in a year and a half combined last night. Um, fortunately it turned into, um, it turned over to rain about 11 o'clock. So what was six inches ended up being like three inches this morning, but it was a lot heavier. So thank goodness I have my ATV with my plow. So that helped. So cleared out my, uh, cleared out my driveway. My kids are home. Cause you know, in the Northeast, we love to just shut everything down when we get a little bit of snow and you don't have to deal with those issues. So what are you what are you dealing with today in terms of weather? What do you got going on in Miami? Oh man, I am so sorry to hear that, Brian. It was 78 degrees when I went out my house and I was like, there's no way I'm gonna wear a long sleeve shirt. So I went with my short short sleeve shirt because it's just uh, paradise down here. I hear you, man. I'm gonna retire and go to Florida one day and never have to deal with this snow ever again. Um, but that's funny. I mean, we we I remember talking to another friend of mine who lives in Florida and um, telling him, explaining to him that everything shuts down when we get snow up here. And he like just blowing his mind. Like, what are you talking about? Like that's, it's not something that even enters into Floridians minds is the fact that, you know, businesses shut down, school shuts down and, you know, our business, will typically slow down if everybody's taking the day off. Right. Um, and it impacts things and, you know, businesses do close and just like we see with COVID, um, you see that with these snowstorms up here. So, um, you know, you guys get to deal with hurricanes um, and, and we know you guys board up a lot of times when those things roll through. We don't get to, we, we might get one or two a year. You guys might get at least threatened by multiple right. storms. Um so, you know, we all have to deal with our own weather problems. But yeah, up here in the Northeast, I think from D.C., basically all the way up, um, we're, we're getting pretty good, pretty good uh, snowfall. So it was fun. I plowed my driveway. I like to get on my quad. Nice. So you golf cart, take your golf cart to work today. No, no, no. But it was just beautiful, man. Sun out, you know, it was just nice, nice. So. I don't know why you put yourself through all that, um, to all that trouble. Yeah, it is trouble, but it's fun. You, you only get it every once in a while. Um, you know, the roads are clear, so it's not even like you need four wheel drive around here. They get they get the roads cleared so quickly. Um, but I think people just like to take the day off. Quite frankly, oh, it's snowing. Grab their sleds and go do their thing. I know my neighbors went up to the Poconos snowboarding, so. Yeah, you know, gotta take advantage. Yeah, yeah. So let's uh let's let's wrap about anything happen exciting in your business this week that we could tell our, our listeners. Well, I fired a client. Nice, nice. Yeah. Fired a client, that takes some cojones. Yeah, you know, I I I made sure that before I fired it, I was able to make up the revenue, but sometimes in business. You, you gotta outweigh you gotta weigh what's what's happening and in this case the client uh, wasn't listening um, 
about our, they weren't doing the best practices um, on anything related to the IT, to the cybersecurity. They wanted everything open, and you know, it was it was a uh, it was kind of like a race to the bottom. It was it's a big it, it was a big liability if they got hacked or something like that. I didn't want them coming after me, even though I told them. So you know, I had to make a business decision and say, you know what, this is not a right fit, and um, gave them notice. And you know, we're gonna help them with the transition to to the new person. That's yeah, that's common in our in our in our business to you know have to have to kind of approach things that way um, and look at things from a liability standpoint. Um, we're at our in our business we're we're very similar in that we won't you know we'll we'll allow clients to tolerate a certain amount of risk. Um, we will protect ourselves if we feel like something uh, that they're making a decision on doesn't fit the way that we feel things should be done. So uh, we might hand them a re release of liability or something like that. But if, you know, if there's just too many things that we have to check the box on to say that we're, we're, we're bringing, introducing risk here, 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 and then collectively all of that, you know, is just too much. It's just too much uh, for your business to take on should, you know, like you said, something happen and, um, you have to, as, as, as our lovely friend, Cindy would say, eat the wrist sandwich, right? Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> Shout out to Cindy. Uh, we love the wrist sandwich. So, um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting, uh, interesting perspective because I think a lot of, a lot of businesses, I think in general, just struggle with, um, you know, understanding that finding the right clients for them is important, but not only that, recognizing when you don't have clients that fit your, that fit your model or fit your culture, um, and being okay with moving on. And, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, helping them find another provider. So you're not sh leaving them stranded on an Island. You're, you know, professionally and, you know, and eloquently handing off the, the IT to somebody else who is uh, willing to work with them in that capacity, which there are plenty of companies out there that will service companies that don't want to do cybersecurity directly. Um, right. There's a lot of IT companies out there that just like doing help desk and they don't care about security, which is totally mm -hmm. fine. Um, as long as they're not advertising that they're taking care of your security, that's the relationship. And I, and a hundred percent of that, risk falls onto the business. Right. Um, so uh, interesting thing that happened to us this week. Uh, so we do IT assessments, so got cybersecurity assessments, right? And, uh, you know, years ago, um, Microsoft came out and said, don't expose remote desktop to the internet. Right, right. So you know, we usually don't find this. It's rare um, that we come across this anymore because it's pretty well known that you don't want to do this. Um, in our in our assessment, we we found that there was an RDP port open. It wasn't on the traditional port. So if you think of uh, your your server like your house, um, and what a port is is a port is. Uh, you think of that like the windows and doors, the way into your house. And 
you know, as IT professionals, when we manage a firewall or some kind of gateway, we unlock these ports. We might open them, like open the windows, open the doors. So think of it like that. And typically, you know, with remote desktop, if you want to call the front door, mm. port 3389, they just change the port to a different number. And, you know, instead of the door being open, the window is open. Now, you know, most professional criminals, robbers, if they're coming up to your house and your door's locked, do you think they're going to look around and see if any windows are open? And that was kind of the interesting thing that happened is after we presented this to them a few days later, um, they came back at us with a question because their current provider was saying, oh, no, it's fine. We changed the port. <laughs> and, um, you know, rather than get into a back and forth or a pissing match with her current provider, um, you know, we just said we don't we don't recommend you do things that way. And we backed it up with some, some documents or some links to some websites also stated you shouldn't be doing this. Um, and then, you know, we left it at that. So, um, but it goes to show you why I brought this up and why I wanted to talk about it on the podcast is um, kind of like, you know, like we talked about with your situation that IT company willing to come in and service a client that you wouldn't service. Um, you could also, you know, as a business, you could also be working with um, a company that feels like what they're doing is proper security or they are securing you enough. When the reality is, is that you and I have talked about this and we work at a different level. We work at a different standard and that's not acceptable in our business or our clients' businesses. Um, and you know the cybersecurity framework state not to do right. that kind yeah. of stuff. So, um, you know, so that's that's what, what, what was interesting to me and I why I wanted to talk about it because a lot of times businesses don't realize they might, they like their IT company or they like their IT guy or the person they're working with, but they have no clue how to evaluate whether or not they're doing right by them, that they're not leaving something open that could lead them to get hacked. Um, and that's, we see that a lot in our industry. I don't know how, how much you see it, but I see it oh. often. Oh, we see. And, and you know, the thing is with that is there's different maturity levels in IT where you could have the guy that just got out of school and he doesn't have that real world experience as well as, unfortunately, in IT, it's not like a doctor's office or a plumber where, or an attorney where you have to go to school, you have to be certified, you have to follow a certain code. Um, IT is not regulated. So if someone decides, I'm going to build a server or I'm going to set up your system this way, and someone says that way, like there's just all of these things. So this guy here putting the port 3389 open had it been had this industry been regulated, that would have been something that they would have known not to do. But there's nobody saying it's not OK. And that, that's unfortunately the problem right now. Well, we're saying it's not OK. Right. Right. And that's, you know, that's opening the eyes of a lot of people, um, you know, and, and to your point where you mentioned, you know, hiring a guy out of out of high school or just out of college with no experience. Um, you know, my experience, that's something that law firms love to do. 
Um, and not only are you talking about hiring someone who's not experienced, but you're also talking about somebody who's only going to be with your company for about three years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because the, the salary increase in the first five years of an IT person is, is insane. And by the time somebody has three years experience under their belt, you're going to be basically doubling their salary. And that's when a lot of IT guys look for other jobs. And then the law firm is constantly like in this cycle of hiring internal IT people every two to three years. And they wonder why they can't keep anybody. Right. At the same time, their risk is, you know, way up here because they keep trying to do this with cheap, you know, talent. And, um, you know, they're just all they're doing is creating more technology debt for themselves, a term that I like to use a lot. Um, so, so, yeah, that was my my week, my experience. Um, it was, you know, interesting getting the email from from the prospect uh, who we did the assessment on who said, hey, um, you know, how do I respond to this? Um, and really, you, you don't because they think that they're doing it the right way. Right. Um, and, you know, who's to argue? Um, I I won't tell somebody how to do something in their own business, but I think it's important that any business owner listening to our podcast understands that there are a lot of people and businesses out there that think just because they like their IT or they have their, their friends with them or whatever. And they, they, you know, have a blind spot to evaluating whether or not that's the best thing for their company. Um, and it, and it happens way more than you would think. So, mm-hmm. so, um, so we're going to talk about, we're going to move on and talk about the, the big gorilla that happened this yep. week, <laughs> which is the solar winds, uh, yep. hack. and, um, so talk to, tell us high level what happened with the solar winds hack. Andre, this is like this. I would call it the Super Bowl of of hacks. Like this is something where uh, apparently Saturday morning, um, all hands on deck at the White House. They're getting briefed that for the past X amount of months, um, a popular software that's called SolarWinds. Now, a lot of people, if you're using computers, more than likely you've you've never heard of it. But I can guarantee you, IT departments they know what SolarWinds is, and it's basically a tool. That, that is used like when you need support for your computers, um, it's used to remote into computers, it's used to monitor the computers, it's a plethora of different things. And essentially um, there was a, a, a breach in that application and, and SolarWinds is a huge company. They have contracts with um, national government, with the White House, with the Pentagon, Fortune 100 companies, the top five CPA, the, the biggest top five CPA firms in the U.S. So they are everywhere. And this SolarWinds Orion um, um, application, there was a breach. And and with this breach, these bad guys were now able to get into these computer systems and cause a lot, a lot of havoc. Yeah, it's uh, it's also the reason FireEye got hacked. Yeah, yeah. You know, and if FireEye didn't, I think detect what they detected when they detected it. I don't think we'd be here today. I think we'd still be in the dark about a lot of what was going on here. Um, but you know, who knows? Uh, I guess we'll find out as things progress because you know, the, 
investment companies that have that ha have owned or invested in solar winds um you know there's reports that their ceos sold some stock right before mm -hmm. all this was announced could be coincidence who knows <laughs> um, but you know it, it you know but the timing is is weird because they sold the stock before fire i got hacked right so i mean you know, it's crazy to think how this backdoor got into this software. It's really, you know, uh, you know, it's really tough because, um, you know, at a high level talking about it, you, you mentioned they create a lot of havoc and some of the havoc they created was uh, uh, they showed the world that multi-factor authentication can be, can be tricked. Mm -hmm. um, what, what was, what they were able to achieve was, they were the whole time they were on this network since March of 2020 or on these government networks, they were able to retrieve usernames and passwords to outlook, uh, web access accounts or basically your email. And they were using web access, web access to get to it. Many of the government agencies had two factor through a product called duo on these accounts. And because the hackers had such a high level of access on the computer network itself, they were able to grab keys from the servers and then on, from their computers, they were able to inject these secret keys into the browser requests, which fundamentally just made Duo not, not work or not do anything. Because when they looked at the logs from the exchange and said, okay, we see the login, but there's no corresponding login over here to Duo, somehow some way they were able to circumvent the duo and the reason i bring that up is a lot of people put multi-factor authentication um as their check mark to mm -hmm. cybersecurity really well mm -hmm. and you and i both know this is a layered approach right and any of those layers can be breached at any point in time and nobody can protect all those layers 100%. But the idea is, is that you put enough layers on, if you break through one layer, your other layers are there to kind of absorb any additional damage uh, that may occur from something like this. Um, and, and, you know, that's the thing, that's the thing that's important that we understand. But I talk to people all the time that like, oh, yeah, I have, I have antivirus, I have endpoint protection. Mm -hmm. they they're doing one piece, one layer of the whole entire stack that needs to happen in order for cybersecurity to really start to mitigate risk. Um, and, you know, multi-factor authentication is just one piece. It's not the end all be all. Um, and then on top of, you know, that, now they're sitting in government officials' email, reading emails that are going back and forth for seven months, I don't have any reports or evidence that they manipulated email in any way, which is a common practice that we see. Um, once a hacker gets into your email, they can create rules where you don't see certain emails from certain people, and then they start communicating with those people. Um, that's how money usually gets sent to a bank account that it shouldn't have got sent to um, a lot of times. Um, there's no evidence of that right now but who's who knows you know this is early we don't know the extent of how all how much all this went down and quite frankly um 
<laughs> I worked for the federal government for five years as a defense contractor. It wouldn't surprise me at all that, you know, program managers sent money to a foreign criminal hacker because they were told to wire funds or move funds somewhere. I mean, that's typically not how the government payment system works. So hopefully there were enough checks and balances, but there are people like in the DOD that have control over money, millions and millions of dollars mm -hmm. um, that have the authority to, to send money different places. And, um, you know, there are some layers of, of checks and balances, but maybe it's only like one or two people. And if they don't catch it, you know, you never know what we're going to find coming out of this. And then, uh, you know, outside of that, Andre, the, the outside of that, the um, outlook being peered upon and who knows how many people's outlook was being spied on. Um, let's, why don't you talk about like the whole ramifications that everyone's going to learn from this on the supply chain and how they, how we need to evaluate vendors uh, and things like that as part of our cybersecurity program. Yeah. And I'll also like to add to what you're saying is these departments are not just like, you know, the lowest levels of government. The department, yeah. You had one department, which is dealing with the 5G and, and placement and regulations and things like that. So there's a lot of, of trade secrets. There's a lot of um, applications, a lot of things that are going through these emails. And now whoever these these guys are, they now they now have it, which is the scary part. Well, I so, read I thought I read something yesterday that said Homeland Security was one of the organizations and yep. then CISA put out um, and that's the government cybersecurity department. Um, they put out a, a directive that says unplug anything that has Orion on it now, yeah. right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, who knows if they'll turn it back on. So, you know, continue on with what you were going to say about the supply chain. Yeah. And, and this is why it's so important that you are doing audits that like in this case, it, it took this massive uh, fraud to happen for us to know. But if by doing audits on your systems, like for example, um, the other day I went to a client's place and I'm, we're doing an, we're we're doing a, an assessment because we may be working with them, and we see one of the programs which is used to remote in and it was called Team Viewer, which is a fine program, but however, this particular application on the server, I guess the IT guy maybe needed it to do like a quick remote access, whatever the case is. Well, that was sitting on the server, and when I double clicked on it. It said your 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 update is X amount of months old and you need to do an update. Well, this is a perfect example of when you have certain applications on your computer, it's not it's there's really no reason you should have it and it hasn't been updated. And when there's a flaw, that's why it's called an update because a lot of times these manufacturers or program um, distributors will find that okay, hey. There was something going on with our program. There's an opening and we're sending out an update so that it can block it. But if you're in your systems, you're, you still have, for example, Office, I believe it's Office 2013 um, that's now no longer supported by Microsoft. Obviously, you have Windows 7 um, and any other application on your computer that, that, that A, is no longer accepting updates or just shouldn't be on there because you're no longer using it. This is why you have to audit your systems, see every single program. And if there's no need for it, this is the time when you start going in uninstalling it. 
What about what's your what's your take on uh, evaluating your your vendors? Like if that because obviously the United States government wasn't hacked. SolarWinds was hacked, and that right. was the vendor of the United States government and a lot of these Fortune 500 companies. It's a vendor that supplies services. If you work with an IT company, that MSP, they 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 are basically God on your network. Right. Right. So they can do anything they want on your network. And if they get breached and a hacker gets control of their tools, they are now your a hacker is now God with your IT person's tools. So talk to me about, you know, how companies and, and businesses should be looking at their vendors. What are some things at a minimum maybe they should be doing to, to at least see if cybersecurity is on their radar? Can you talk about that? Yeah, and, and that goes back to the maturity level of, the, of this IT person or this IT company. You know, one of the things that I always ask customers is, how do you manage your passwords? And if they show up and they show me an Excel spreadsheet with all the administrative passwords or um, something like that, that's that's very concerning because that means that your IT company or your IT person is not giving you a proper password management or if they're using Google Chrome, for example. So I think whenever you're interviewing your IT company, these are questions you're going to want to ask them. How, what type of access are you going to have on my system? What, uh, what type of, how are you going to be remoting in? How are you logging and storing my password? I, I've seen some, I was, right, one time I saw someone, there was a OneNote on their computer, on their computer. And when I opened the OneNote, because it was passwords, you know how OneNote has the different tabs? This mm -hmm. IT guy, I guess, went on the web, downloaded the OneNote, but he actually downloaded the OneNote that not only had that particular site's place, but all of his other clients. I mean, it was it was like crazy. I couldn't believe it. And I pointed it out to the client. I was like, "Look, this guy has all of his clients, you know, username and password there." So it's it's very important that um, you know when you're looking for an IT company and cybersecurity company, you're not looking, you're not basing it on price. I mean, yes, of course, price plays an important factor, but you really need to see and sit down with them. And, and I mean, it's not like you're going to say you're going to start to evaluate the tools, but you want to make sure that they themselves are doing cyber audits on themselves, that they themselves have proper tools um, that they use and they implement themselves to protect you. Because like you said, they are the God. They are they have the king, um, keys to the kingdom. Yeah. And that goes for any vendor. Right. So not just your IT person, but any vendor that you're hiring that, you know, may touch your network, maybe a software developer, maybe you have, um, maybe you have, you outsource some piece of your business where somebody comes in and uses computers on your network or you allow them to remote into something. Um, because they're not your employee and because you're signing a contract with them to do services for you, you know, as simply as sending them a an Excel spreadsheet that asks them questions around like, do you do this? Do you do that? Do you know, do, do you is cybersecurity even something that you think about within your business is a question you could ask. Um, and then that lets you understand your level of risk with allowing that person to use your systems. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, if, <clears throat> you know, either 
make sure that you're evaluating the risk and make sure that you're not putting risky entities or individuals in places where they're sensitive things. Um, it doesn't mean you can't work with them, but don't make sure you're segregating your network and your data well enough that they, it's not that they don't have access to it or they would go snooping for it, but it's just the fact that they can get to it mm -hmm. and, and, and see it or manipulate it because a lot of times it's not going to be them. It's going to be a hacker who has control of their network and they're able to get to yours and they're the ones who are going to be looking. So um, you brought up a good point and I think it's a great topic for another podcast, which is uh, a honeypot. And I'm going to talk about what honeypots are. Um, so, so yeah, so the solar wind tech is going to be uh, interesting. We'll see where that, comes out um there's a lot of i mean i'm just thinking down the road of when when congress and the senate gets involved i wouldn't be surprised if there's hearings i wouldn't be surprised if solar winds is sanctioned severely by the u.s government and sued mm -hmm. uh, by private industry uh, maybe even the government there could be criminal activity here we don't know yeah um, and then um, and then as we always do in this country, as we're very reactive, there will be laws put on the books to try to prevent this from happening in the future. Um, and who knows what that's going to look like? Because as you started off the show, Andre, and said, this is not a regulated industry. I mean, I think we can both see the writing on the wall that those days are numbered. You're yeah of being able to hang a shingle on the side of your building and say that you're a cybersecurity company or an IT company, and rightfully so, are coming to an end. Um, this is too important. Um, small business is too important to this country to allow cyber threats to make it impossible to run a small business in the United States. You have enough going against you with COVID and you know, high taxes and everything else. And now you got to pay for and manage a cybersecurity plan, you know, in a two, three, four person, five person company. Um, you know, it, it becomes very difficult. Um, and I think that that's why, uh, you know, making sure you're with the right people and you're doing the right thing is important. So I'm going to wrap up the show. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Do you have any last things that you want to share with uh, our audience there, Andre? Yeah, just going back to the regulation, you know, here in Miami, Florida, in order to um, do your driveway, you've got to go, you got to have code involved, you need a permit, and the person has to be a contractor to put up a simple fence, mm -hmm. six-foot fence. Right. They, they'll tear it down if they found out that it wasn't done without permission. Right. So you have... Yeah, it just goes back of why um, you got to be careful who you're hiring and you got to be careful who you're allowing into your network um, because yeah. all someone needs is a business card that says, I do IT and, and that's it. There's nothing else. Right. And there's no way for the consumer to protect themselves right now. And that, you know, whether you hate or like uh, code regulations, um, usually they're put in place. A lot of people are, are cynical and say they're put in place so the township or whatever can make more money off of you by raising your property taxes. Uh, do you have property taxes in Florida? I don't think you do, right? Yes, we have uh, actually high, no state tax, but our property taxes, um, I'm not going to say it makes up for it, but it's high. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, our property taxes are higher than yours, I'm sure, in Jersey. Um, but yeah, so people think that, but really they're there to protect you, you know, because nobody wants you building a shoddy deck and then you sell your house and then the person who buys your house sees this big deck, but they have no idea what's underneath of it. And, you know, if it was built shoddy, that becomes, you know, a, a life that could be, you know, you could die if a deck collapses and you're on it. So, um, you know, those why those are why those things exist. And I'm not opposed to, you know, the government coming in and saying, here are the standards that you must follow as an IT company, not every business. But if you're going to offer these services, these this is what you have to do. Um, and there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. Electricians have to do it. Mm -hmm. um, in, in my state, people that install um, closed circuit TV cameras, security cameras, have to be licensed. Yeah. You can't install them. Um, doctors, CPAs, uh, you know, the list goes on and on of hair, you know, to get your hair cut, to be a hairdresser, you have to be licensed. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, anybody that's against that, I, you know, it, it's not a bad thing. So, all right. So, uh, thanks brother. I appreciate it. Um, we will be up back next week with, another, are we going to do one next week? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Next, I next week. Well, you know what? We'll have to record it because next week is Christmas Eve, Thursday. Right. 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 We'll have to record it a day early. No big right. deal. So, all right, cool. So yeah, we'll be out with another, probably some solar winds updates, and then we'll talk about honey pots because I, I put that down as a topic that we can educate people on and, and what purpose they serve. Um, and you know, I hope everyone stays safe out there this week. If you were a victim of the solar winds hack and you used Orion, uh, we we are with you and hoping for the best for your organization. We know that that stuff is not serious, and we know uh, the guys that on the blue team on our side who, uh, you know, whose job is to protect these networks are probably going through a very stressful time right now. And it's, it's right before Christmas. Um, and you know, I, I know in my business at times I've had to deal with issues right around the holidays and I know how not fun that is. Um, you know, Thankfully enough, we're, we're a big enough business now where those kind of things don't happen. But early on when, when it was me and a couple guys, you know, I, I felt the pressure of those technical issues, especially around the holidays. I know it stinks. So, you know, you're in our thoughts and prayers as, as strange as that sounds, because we know, um, you know, when you think you've had a breach, we know the stress that that happens with that. So um, and uh, everybody, if you. We'll, we'll come next week and uh, we'll have a little holiday holiday flair to our to our podcast next week. So uh, take care, everyone. We'll see you all next week. All right. We're out. All right.